Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hey, it's Anthony here and welcome to today's podcast. And whether this is your first time or perhaps you are a regular listener, it's great to have you join us here. I'm frequently asked questions about salon pricing. And so I recently did a podcast episode where I spoke on pricing of salon services. It was episode 127, if you haven't already checked it out. Today's episode is also about pricing because I had so many questions about the one I did myself. And so today I have not one, but two guests on the show. They are husband and wife, Mick and Kylie Dwyer, who are former salon owners and educators and have written a book on pricing and developed an accompanying app and an online course. So on today's episode, we're going to go in much deeper on the pricing issue. In today's podcast, We'll discuss how to price your salon services, the challenges that hairdressers have when it comes to raising prices, and profit margins in salons today, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Mick and Kylie Dwyer. Thanks for the invite. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, It's good to see you again. Hey, uh, Anthony. Great to see you. Very excited. Good. Great to see you both as well. So, uh, look, before we get started, I'm going to uh, break with tradition. I'm going to introduce you. Uh, So just for context, uh, I'm going to start with a little overview of your background. You're a husband and wife. Mm -hmm. Um, Kylie is a well-known hairdressing educator in the Australian market. Uh, Mick isn't a hairdresser, but he's always had a focus on the business side of things. And together, you previously had two successful Sydney salons, but for the last 12 years, you've been focusing 100% on the education side of the industry. And you've got an education company called Elite Hair Education, where Kylie focuses on teaching hairdressing skills and Mick on the business side of the industry. And amongst other things, you've written a book called Pricing Your Services. You've developed a accompanying app and an online course, uh, as well as doing keynote presentations and seminars. And since COVID, you've gone and developed another app called Snipped, which is a streaming online haircutting app, which will be launched globally on May the 1st. So we've got an awful lot to talk about. Uh, was, that, was that summary? about right that sort of sums up who you are what you do and where we are at this point in time yeah yeah fantastic that's right that sums us up well we feel like that's been a long journey (laughs) yeah it's it's uh it it is isn't it i'm I'm the same when you sort of put what you've been doing for the last five or ten years or whatever it is into a couple of sentences it's like really can it be summed up like that (laughs) you know it's it's uh, it's it's leaving out all the uh the hard work that goes on in between so anyway let's just dig straight in because uh uh, I want to start off with talking about your book, Mick. I had no idea that you'd written a book. Uh, so first of all, congratulations on that, because I know how much work goes into getting a book together. Um, but let's start off with, uh, I just want to ask you, why did you feel the need to write a book on such a niche subject, which was focusing on pricing of salon services. I'm glad you had, by the way, but I'm just curious as to, you know, as to where you identified that need in the first place. Well, we've been in the hairdressing industry 20 odd years. And over that time, I got to talk to a lot of owners and I was having a problem myself with pricing um, because I really felt we had to have a be in the market and it wasn't, wasn't a high enough price, really. And then it dawned on me that no one knew anything about anything. They didn't know what they were doing. They basically rang around from salon to salon and tried to place themselves in this marketplace. And they knew nothing of how to set structure up and nothing of cost plus margin pricing or perceived value pricing, just simply market pricing or competitive pricing. Yeah, exactly. That That's me, yeah. Yeah, that's that's it, isn't it? Comparison pricing. I mean, so much of the industry, and I've I've always found this to be the same everywhere. That you know, as as an industry, they often salon owners, and I'm going to include myself in this. 
you know, don't necessarily have the sort of education training background to, to work out, well, how should you price your services? So all over the world, what so many salon owners have, have always done is, is, you know, they leave working with salon A to go and open their own business and they open salon B and they basically just charge what they were charging before, give or take a couple of bucks. Or like you said, they do a bit of a ring around, you know, or go on websites and have a look what the competitors are charging. But Obviously, the problem is that they're often, you know, focusing on a broken business model. So this problem of incorrect pricing just sort of perpetuates right through the industry. So uh, I'm glad that I'm I'm not the only one who thinks like that, but I'm glad that you're the person who actually turned it into a book because uh, it, it's it's not a sexy subject when you talk about pricing. So you know, um, yeah. and and I actually think that's part of. Sorry, I was going to say that. I think that's part of why people leave it alone because it's not fun. Mm, yeah. It's not exciting, mm, yeah. you know. So no, and you and you're afraid of making a mistake, I presume. But and I think I guess you think that your previous boss or the the good operator up the road knows what they're doing. Yeah. You know? So yeah, yeah. It's uh, but there's this a, a lot to it. There's more than just um, there's the calculation, and then there's uh, where do I fit and. The, um, what, why do people come to my business? Yeah. And we forget that um, the hairdressing skill is only a small part of why people come to your business. Mm. So, um, and generally people don't shop on price anyway, is it? unless you set yourself up for that. You know, yeah. You, you'll have you know, cheap cuts or whatever cuts and you know, discount colours, packages, etc. cetera. Uh, so they tend to attract people that are uh, price sensitive and then when they do move their prices, they probably genuinely do need to worry because they're selling on price. But when you have a, a really valuable business where um, they're more than just price, why people come to you, then uh, you don't need to fear that because you're not actually um, attracting price-sensitive people. Yeah, okay. So so give us an overview of the book. What's what's the sort of breakdown of the book? What's the sort of journey you take people okay. on as you as you work through it? Okay, so we have the, the app that we developed, which was the key thing to start with, and uh, it's not difficult to use, but I thought that the, the book accompanies the app, so it explains why you need certain uh, to get certain figures and what you do with them. And uh, as the book goes along, it uh, gives lots of great examples in the form of stories, and most of which are true stories. I have changed the names, but uh, and it gives you a... a you could probably a lot of salons could see themselves sitting in that person's chair and and being that person I'm telling the story about. And so it's it's like a manual for the app that helps you understand pricing, but it also gives you um, some sort of real life experience of what happened when people done th- have done things. And there's lots of other things about structure and um, and moving forwards, lots of tips, things like that 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 go along with. Um, uh, firstly, calculating and then um, setting your prices and putting a strategy in place. Okay, um, I'm curious about writing a book. I mean, I've I've mm-hmm. I, I have a, a story about how I wrote books and came to write a yeah, book. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you sat down one day and thought, right, I'm going to write a book about pricing. <laughs> uh, just just tell me, yeah. just tell me how well, you did was, that. You know, you start with a blank sheet yeah. of paper in front of you. What what was well, the, <laughs> the sort of process yeah. of putting that together? Okay, so when we were doing this, um, a real, and then I've been was doing a lot of keynote presentations, and I've realised that people, even no matter how hard I tried, um, I couldn't make it simple enough. Um, so it was almost like an accountant talking to people who, who hate accountants, you know, it's sort of a, that sort of thing. But um, what actually happened was we had all our um, presentation notes, so I expanded on those. And then my daughter got placed in a, um, a musical, uh, Les Miserables, and she toured Australia for 18 months with them. Now, she was 10 at the time, so I basically had to go along with her and carry my office on my back. And I had a lot of time, so I thought, why don't I expand these notes? And uh, lo and behold, before I even got rolling, I had about 150 pages of notes. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it basically expanded out, and I told stories about every situation. And um, 
Yeah, I think it's a pretty good read, actually, but it's really informative, yeah. Good, uh, good, okay. And so, I was saying to him, what are you going to do on the road? You got, How are you going to pull your weight? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good, uh, I mean, everyone, every, uh, so many people say they're going to write a book one day. Very few people actually do. It is yeah. a difficult you know, thing. I mean, once you get started and you get into it, it's it's not easy. It takes a lot of work, doesn't it? So, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I commend you for doing that. But um, It's probably about three years in the making. Like, okay. But yeah, from the time we started working on the app to then going, oh, we've got a book and we've yeah. got that thing going. So it was a long process, yeah. Okay. So, so what came first, the book or the app? The app came first. Okay, um, right. Yeah. Okay. And... Because basically, all the steps to to work out what you need to charge, yeah, um, is is how the app developed. We put all the steps together, worked out what they needed, and all, and then along the way, we go. We need to explain this. How do we get? How can we? How can we? It's not just a matter of putting your data in. It's about understanding it and um, applying these things to your business. So. The book evolved out of becoming maybe a, a downloadable manual into a book. Because yeah. I've got lots of stories and okay. I know they're relevant, but they're great fun, you know. Yeah. So. Well, 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 sometimes, especially when you're talking about numbers, um, you know, if yeah. you can, if you can uh, uh, talk about those numbers in the context of real life examples, they become more relatable for people and they're more likely to understand yeah. the process that you're working through. So, um, yes. You're obviously uh, Australian. Um, is the 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 process of what you're doing in that book is it Australian centric or is it pretty relevant to the hairdressing business? Period. You know, no matter where you are in the world, yeah. whether you're in the US or the UK, Europe, Asia, whatever, is it is it fairly transferable? It, it really is transferable. It's actually transferable to other uh, industries as well. I have okay. got a couple of physiotherapists running their business who have basically used the app and made a few minor adjustments. But yeah. it's more. there's more than just the calculation, but the calculation is obviously the cornerstone. Um, if you haven't got that right, you don't know even where to begin or where you sit in the market. So Right. So, so, so the, app, yeah. the, the app is basically the the calculation part of it you plug in your yeah. info into the app and that tells you what your percentages are where you're up where you're down that sort of thing yeah well yeah what, what we're trying to do is calculate an hourly rate and um, you could go down to the minute like i think you have done uh but the idea is um well i, I call it seat time uh, and some of my friends call it appointment time you know yeah. Um, and basically, when someone's sitting in your chair, you need to know how much to charge per minute or per hour for your service. For, for your services. And, that, and that's what we're calculating. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just, just services, not retail. It's another animal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So, is does the app integrate with your point of sale system or your accounting package, or do you have to manually transfer the data into the app? No, you have, you have to manually transfer it, but it's not a lot of data. You, yeah. you get it from an accountant's report, really, like a P&L sort of thing. Um, so, and you really only need to pull out your wages, your price of your retail, um, and then all the rest of your expenses just get lumped. So it's not uh, not hard. And then, of course, you, we work on uh, what we call downtime. Um, we need to add that back and just make a few adjustments. So, so it's not... Um, it's not uh, um, terribly difficult to pull all that, that information in. But once you've got it in place, uh, it's easy to adjust quarterly or, or annually whenever you decide you want to do it. Sure. Okay. So, yeah. so you can just sit down with your, your profit and loss, whether it's quarterly, annual, whatever. You extract the info from there. You put it into the app and, and, uh, and you're up and running, yeah? And basically the book yes. just drills into – at a deeper level, what's going on. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It, okay. it explains why you need this information. And then, but, the, but in pricing, that, that cost plus margin pricing, which is the calculation, um, that's just one part of the story. So you need that as your, to find your, your ground line or your lowest point. Yeah. Um, and then you have to do some perceived value pricing uh, and then some market pricing and you, you'll um, uh, 
you come up with a figure, hopefully, higher than what your first calculation was. Yeah. So okay. A, yeah, it's a, it's yeah, it's a biggest, it's a bigger picture than just calculating the your bottom line. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, it's interesting because I did a, um, you know, there's so many people talking about pricing at the moment and I did a podcast yep. episode uh, about three weeks ago um, on pricing myself. And, uh, and when uh, I heard about the, you know, the book and stuff you'd done, I thought, well, this would be a great follow-up to dig in a lot deeper on, yep. on how you work it out, you know, uh, and the background that's behind it. Uh, and I gather that you then also have developed an online course. So is, is the online course pretty much just sort of holding your hand, is it, as you work through the process of, um, you know, yeah. working with the um, app and the workbook? The, we started off doing uh, keynote presentations along uh, and they go for about uh, 90 minutes to two hours. Uh, they were really successful, but all, people just couldn't quite grasp the the whole thing. Uh, so they had the app. They wasn't. They weren't sure what they were really doing. The book was written uh, to help them. And then what we thought we'd do was film, basically film our keynote, and we broke that down into seven lessons. Mm-hmm. And then they could review the whole thing. So it's uh, it's a thorough lesson. But you could also look at that uh, online lesson and it'll help you put the data in, but it'll also explain the other marketing systems that are rolling around in there that they need to look at as well. Right. Okay. What, what do you think the biggest mistake is that salon owners make um, when they're trying to establish their pricing model? Uh, their pricing model? Or, or their, um, yeah, or their price point. Okay, the price point, yeah. Uh, the biggest one I believe is that they don't uh, count the time where there's no clients. So consulting with salons over, say, the last 10 years, uh, they all seem tend to have um, a regular amount of hours each week that are where there's no clients, and it's somewhere between 20 and 30% for just about all of them. Mm-hmm. So this, if this is a, a regular thing that you can't fix, and most people can't fix it, it's just the way it is, mm-hmm. uh, they will need to determine that amount, that percentage, say it's 20% of your of your productive hours, and you need to add that 20% back into the price you're going to charge because it's always going to be there. So that means that if they don't do that, they'll be about 20% under what they really need to charge. Yeah. Uh, sometimes higher, you know, and, and there's reasons why they have that, but it's just, it's, to me, it just seems like part of business. You can't be 100% full. Yeah, exactly. Even when on paper you appear yeah. to be, there's people that don't turn up yes. and last-minute cancellations and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. so that would be my experience as well, that if you've got people that are operating at 80%, you're probably about average. And there's a lot of people that aren't operating yeah. at 80% that are way under that. So the, yes. the, uh, And that's, they've got a major problem. So, so that's why, uh, that's what you're saying is the biggest mistake that people make when they're working out their pricing is they don't allow for the fact that they don't have 100% productivity out of their available hours. They have 80% productivity ballpark out of their available hours. So when they're working out their pricing, they need to factor in that 20% of non-productive hours because you've got the outgoing incurred of it, but you don't have the income to offset it. So, okay, good point. Exactly. And because like the they're basing their price on 100%. They're going to say, well, I've got 100 hours to get this money. Yeah. And in reality, they've only got 80 hours to get that money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's a huge mistake. It's, um, I mean, you you can't be 20% under to start with. It doesn't, you know. Yeah, you're beating the, the other start. mistake is, Yeah. yeah. Um, and the other mistake is probably a, an attitude mistake, um, maybe an emotional mistake where they, uh, they sort of um, they don't want to move their prices because they're fearful. Um, mm. you know, that, that's a, uh, and, they, and, they, and they also think that people buy simply on price mm. and, they, and, and they don't value other things, that, you know, like well, we're, we're in a salon on Monday, for example, and the girl had a huge window overlooking Woolworths car park and she had no signage. It's like, man, there's 3,000 people standing in that car park at any, buying their any groceries. one day, buying their groceries. Why don't, how have you got something there? Yeah. 
So, um, which thankfully she's actually order, ordering a huge screen and just going to play some videos. But, but the people that come to her salon don't um, go there because of her price. They go there because there's a car park next door mm. and it's right across the road from the school. When I was there in the afternoon, the car park suddenly filled up and it's all the mums picking up their kids. So if she put her prices up, they'd still come. Yeah. They come yeah. For, because of convenience. And there's many, many reasons why people value your business. Yeah. And and only one of those many reasons is price. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good point. Now, with, with uh, the Australian market, it is still very much an employee-employer-based business model, uh, probably more so, well, definitely more so than the United States, um, and and more so than the UK as well, where where in both co- those countries there is a lot more independent contractors. Now I know that that's happening more and more everywhere in the world, including Australia. But I was yes. just prefacing this question I want to ask you about this, which is, does your pricing system that you've got does it work whether you've got a business unit of one or a business of twenty staff? Is it the same process that you go through? Yeah, it is exactly the same. So if you were uh, contracting, you know, like um, if you had your own space or whatever or you're just working in a salon, you're, you're going to have wages, which would probably be just yours, but you might have a junior helping you, you know. Um, you're going to have the same costs. You're going, to know, you're going to have downtime. You're going to have all those exact – it's just a micro business. Yeah. But, but all the – uh, factors that um, you need to cover in your pricing are all there, they're the same. So the individual would use it. And then if the salon owner only had contractors, they probably would have maybe some employees, but if they're just contractors, the same thing would happen there. They've got, they've got, they will always have a target uh, income to reach and they'll need to say, well, they, I've got to pay uh, all these costs out and I'm going to have to get a certain amount of money back. And so you could do exactly the same thing. You know, you might not have all your spaces filled, all that sort of, it all applies directly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of people listening to this is a, there's a, you know, a very wide audience in, in the US. So we'll usually refer to it as sales tax in uh, the United Kingdom. We'll call it VAT, which is the same thing in Canada. They'll call it GST in Australia. They'll also call it GST, but essentially it's a sales tax. So what I want to ask you about is that component of sales tax, when you're putting data into your um, app or however you're working out pricing, do you do it after you've removed the sales tax component or before you've removed it? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so most of most of the uh, figures on your um, P&L will include uh, that sales tax because it's, it's just recording income and outgoings. Mm-hmm. So if you paid your electricity bill, the, the GST or your VAT or, would be included on that figure. So... It is included, and it doesn't really matter because you've got to collect it and charge it. So, you know, the only figure that it's not included in is your wages, and that's another thing that the app will do. Um, and that's why you separate your wages out of that P&L because your wage, if you pay someone $100,000, you've got to collect 110 or 112 or whatever it is. So you actually need to charge enough to get 112000 so what the app will do is you put $100,000 in straight off your P&L, it will add your VAT or your GST or whatever uh, to that figure and then put it back into the sum. Uh, and, and, again, if your wages are 50%, um, you know, that could be another 5%, say, that, uh, that you'll be undercharging if you don't add 10% to your wage figures. Yeah. Okay. That's that's making sense to me. Um, right. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, is as someone who gets to look at a lot of different salons, you know, that you're sort of privy to the yeah. numbers that go on in businesses, um, what would you see the average salon is making in terms of profit? Because, you know, a lot of people 
sort of feel they work very hard for very little in return and they're not quite sure how they compare to elsewhere. So, so what would you say the average salon profit margin is as a percentage of their total revenue? Well, um, the salons that I've been working with are about 5 to 8%. And right. When I, when I talked about that figure, no one would sort of believe me. Uh, and I did have some, a friend who is um, uh, a rep for a major account on one of the large product companies. And I, I got her to go out and in her research and help the client to cal- sort of work out what they were making. And she's, well, she's, I, I actually said 8%, but I did know it was a little bit lower. And she said, Mick, you're wrong. I said, it's, it's under eight, it's as low as five. So, you know, yeah, yeah. So, my, my calculators were fairly right, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because. You know, I talk to lots of salon owners in different countries and whether we're talking, you know, North America, UK, Europe, Australia, it's always, for the majority of them, it's around that sort of number, somewhere between 5 and 8% as a ballpark. Now, obviously, you do come across some that are more profitable than that, that make 10, that make 15. I've even come across salons that make 20% plus in profit. Uh, but, but I do want to qualify that is that the single biggest mistake that salon owners make when they tell me that they're making 20% profit is that they're including their income in it. And as I have to point out yes. to them, your income is not profit. Your income is your income. Profit is what's left over after everything's been paid, including your income, which then usually brings them right back yeah. down into the, you know, the, the 5% yeah. market bit or yeah, the 5% exactly. mark. But, but what I wanted to ask you about was that for those salons that you do see that are very profitable, so, you know, make, yeah. genuinely making 10, 15%, maybe even more profit margin. What is it that they have in common? Is there any one thing that you th- look at and go, that's the, f- the formula to run a, a more profitable business? Um, yeah. Um, in, in our case, it's always been like a, a, a family member or the owner yeah. is at the desk, drives the desk. And there's lots of reasons why there's, they, they win from there. So the best salons, the owner does not cut hair. He's at the desk. Wow. And A, you, f- you get to fill your appointment books properly. Um, you get to wander around, talk to your clients, but basically like a maitre d' in, a, in a, a restaurant. You make sure your systems are working properly. You make sure your clients are happy. You make sure people are rebooking. You make sure your retail sales are being... Uh, presented properly and get and actually getting the sales. So, and I'd almost go if I'd ask a question of any owner straight away, do you run the desk or do you cut hair? If they run the desk, I'd without variation, their business will be a good business and yeah. a profitable business. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, they really. Yeah. Because a lot of salon owners make that mistake of thinking they'll lead from the front. And so they're the busiest yes. one in the salon behind the chair, fully booked, doing the most clients, doing the most retail, doing the most colour, and, and thinking that that's setting the example and everyone will blindly follow behind them. But that isn't always the case. And so what you're saying is, is that those successful businesses, they run the business from the front. And so they really drive the productivity of the entire salon and everyone in it. And, and therefore, yes. they, they end up with a more profitable business. Interesting. I mean, one of the things, if you'd asked me that question, uh, my observation is that the most profitable salons um, generally have a big retail business as well. And, and it just sort of underpins that fact that there's more money in selling a bottle of shampoo than doing a haircut in relation to the amount of time invested in it. And, and I'll often yeah. see salons that are, you know, that are doing a good 10, 15% profit margin. But then when I look at their retail business, they'll, they'll often have, you know, 15, 20, 25% of their revenue is coming from retail. So um, yeah. do, you, do you see that as well? Well, yeah, definitely. And, and I think the, the fact that you're – the owners driving the desk, that mostly uh, promotes a strong retail culture and a strong retail business. So maybe the high retail um, is, in a lot of cases, is a, is a product of the owner being at the desk. Yeah. Um, but, but also maybe running good systems too. Yeah? Like retail doesn't sell itself. I often hear people say that, but nothing sells itself. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> but you, you've, so 
you'd need really um, good systems and, and those sorts of things in the salon where, where, you know, like placing things in front of people, get them to use it, smell it, all that's all those little bits that go all the way to the front desk, you know. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, but you're dead right. As, as retail, and that's why I, I like to treat retail as a as a separate business because it's uh, it is a, a, an entity on its own, and it's very profitable. And you can also predict exactly how much you're going to make. You know, mm. there's, you know, there's, there's no additional wages to make a sale. Yeah, well, so. that's actually a very important point, and, and you glossed over that right at the beginning. You said something about how you it it, it doesn't include the revenue generated by retail, that that's a, pre- yes. a separate profit centre. And that's really important yes. because if people don't um, uh, extract that retail figure, then they run the risk of their retail profitability is subsidising the fact that their services are running at a loss. And that's a, a really important uh, thing to to get your head around. Um, yes, absolutely. So, yeah. Okay. So, so you also used a term earlier on. I think you called it your your seat time. Um, seat and then you said that other people will use another term for it, et cetera. Just explain to us, what, yeah. what do you mean by seat time? Because I think you said that was the ultimate figure that you 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 spit out when you're working this through this app that you arrive at a value and you called it seat time. Tell us what that seat time means. Uh, I called it seat time because um, often when you want want to charge, so just let's say we're doing um, a colour service where the, the client uh, might be over at the basin getting rinsed or whatever or some processing time. Um, if you could, you know, have, uh, you'll see salons that have like a, uh, a table where they, where they sit for the colour processing. That space there where, where, that's, where they're operating or sitting and waiting for that, they're not in your seat. So there's an hour or 45 minutes where the operator can take another client. So... If the ladies, um, so when they're sitting in the in the operator's chair, that's what you're charging for, right? So this app calculates an hourly seat time or appointment time or whatever you want to call it. But I like the idea of seat time because people could see the concept where if they're going over to the basin and I've got a, and I've got a half an hour or an hour free in my seat. I've got a. I could jump a client in there, and if I haven't got a client in there, and I don't put a client in there all the time, then therefore I've got to charge for that. If the client's in, then I charge the next client. So it's while they're in your seat, and I think you could you sort of get that concept there, you know. Yeah, no, I get it. I understand it. I I I, sort of I usually refer to it as 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 a service price per hour. So you come up, yeah. you, you come up with a dollar figure, and that's your service price yes. per hour. But then, as you alluded to, I then break that down into a service price per minute, per minute. so that you yes. just you just divide the seat time or the or the service price per hour yeah. by sixty yeah. to get a figure per minute. And the reason I do that yeah. is that you then use that service price per minute to work out how much you're going to charge for an appointment, whether it's a 15-minute service for a treatment or a 30-minute service for a man's haircut or a 45-minute service for a toner or whatever it is, that, that you have a price per minute to sort of uh, to, to work exactly out right. what you should be charging for that time. So that's that's the same thing. It's just different terminology, exactly, yeah? Exactly right, yeah. Right. And that's, what you, that's exactly how it works, and, and your yeah. pricing is based on that. But I do know a lot of salons, for example, uh, a lot of smaller operators – they will do the colour application, they'll do the rinsing, they'll do the, the cutting and the blow drying. So if that takes two and a half hours, that's a full two and a half hours they've got to charge. Yeah. yeah. But if the lady comes in and, the say, their apprentice does the uh, colour application and the rinsing, they could take another person. So there's, there is now an opportunity to not charge so much because you've got somebody else in the chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've got now some flexibility in, in how you work things. I mean, I'm not suggesting people cut their prices, but but you do need flexibility. So yeah. it just gives a different attitude about, okay, I'm doing all, I'm doing eight hours work, I've got eight hours with the client, I've got to charge so much money. Um, but if you could pull them out of the chair and have a, a junior whose wages are included in your price anyway and put another client in there, you can say, well, all right, I've got flexibility here and I can pull another client there, but I've got to charge that one for those minutes. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the important thing there is is mm. that that hairdressers often make the mistake of 
charging for the service as opposed to charging for the time. And the distinction with what we're both talking about is that we're talking about you're charging for the time. In fact, I often use that expression. I say to people, when you really boil it down, what we're doing is buying and selling time. I'm I'm buying the time of, of that staff member. And I'm yeah. repackaging that time and selling it to the client. And, uh, you know, yes. the bit in between is hopefully where you cover all your overheads, they get paid, and you make a profit. And that's really what it boils down to, isn't it? So yeah. let, me, let me ask you about another thing that's a very hot topic at the moment. And, and this, I, I know the answer because we've pretty much touched on it with what we just said. And, and that is this whole thing about pricing by gender. Um, yeah. what, what when you work through this process – how do you talk about pricing in the context of uh, men's uh, prices and women's prices when they're in the same salon? How do you address that? Uh, it's just simply time. We go, how long do we want to mark out for a man's haircut? If it's, if it's an hour, you charge an hour. If it's 30 minutes, you charge 30 minutes. And if we need, need more time to do a ladies' haircut, then we've got to charge more. Because t- typically a ladies' service the cut and dry will take longer than a than a, a man, so it's just just based on how long she's in the seat. Yeah, or exactly. In the seat. Yeah, yeah. And that, so the, and that's yeah. really the only legal and and moral right. justification you've got, really, isn't yeah. it, for charging? Oh yeah, a different yeah. rate. If men's haircut appointments are are an hour and women's haircut prices are an hour appointments are an hour as well, they need to be charged yeah. the same amount. The only way you exactly. legally and morally can charge them less is if the men's haircut appointment is a thirty minute appointment or the, the or forty five minute appointment, or whatever, and the women's is longer. That's the only way you yeah. you legitimately get around that. So yeah, well, in, uh, interestingly, um, I don't know why this happens, but. The men's haircuts, when you do the calculation, you'll come out at somewhere around the $60 an hour or $70 an hour yeah. in Australia, okay, as the base. Um, and if you put a man in for 45 minutes, you're going to charge him $45, you know. Mm. And But people are only charging, only charging $25 and $30, and they, won't, they go, oh, it's too big a jump. You know, and I don't know why it came around like this, but well, I do know because a man's haircut was always fifteen dollars. You know, <laughs> at, the, at the local barber, mm. everybody knows the price of the man's haircut, and and a lot of the uh, salons have decided to take on men, particularly now it's getting a bit trendy, and um, they refuse to put the prices up. But they're basically running a, a loss on the man's haircut. You know, yeah. In fact, most most salons actually. Um, lose on their haircut prices. They're, they're, they're under what they have to be. Yeah. They make the money on the colour and they're, lo- they're losing on the cut and dry, you know, yeah. um, which is really silly. So it's, yeah. But having said that, they've never d- calculated their prices properly and they're just going, well, down the road they charge $30, I'll, I'll charge $30. Yeah. But, but incidentally, I went to a really good barber shop today and I charged $50. Yeah, uh, he's, he's probably on the money. He might have read my book, and it's coming out of my pocket now. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. And okay. it's a bit sad when his wife doesn't have time to cut yeah, his hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is. That, that is okay. All right. Well, yeah. well, well. You've just touched on something interesting there, and that is the, the level pricing system. So, yes. if with your um, app and your process for working out prices, you come at you come out with a price per hour. Okay, I yes. get that. How do you get around it when the salon owner says, yeah, but Mick, we have different uh, appointment times and we have different price points depending on whether it's a new stylist or a senior stylist or a top stylist? How do you address that with this model? Well, um, we do actually do quite a lot of talk about strategy, and this is one of the, I think, one of the best strategies. that We call it tiered pricing, Hmm. um, but you call it pricing levels, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. so when you calculate your cost plus margin price, your hourly price, uh, generally that's as low as you ever want to go. Right? Yes. If you go below that line, you'll yeah, okay. Mm. So I'd suggest that uh, your new stylists, your emerging stylists, like people who've just finished their apprenticeship or their training or their or their time and they've become qualified, mm. I suggest that's the price that you put for those entry level stylists, and then. You tier everybody or you level everybody above that. You obviously have to have a qualification or something or it might be 
for so many service or it might be doing so many courses or your experience that lifts lift you to the next level. And I guess you just nominate a, a, a suitable gap. You know, some people's $10, some's 15 some's 20 And then as the emerging stylist um, gains more experience or starts ticking the boxes, uh, that, that uh, person will move into the next tier. Mm-hmm. And the new people will come in at the bottom. Now, this uh, that girl was moved to the next tier. She'll take most of her clients with her. Uh, yeah, like you're lucky to lose twenty percent of the people you're doing because of price. Mm. Uh, so you've actually had a price rise every time someone moves up the level. So it's a price rise in disguise, if you like. And you keep you keep elevating your, your price, uh, your staff for doing things and. Uh, I mean, it probably goes deeper than that because we have a huge um, turnover problem with young uh, stylists or because uh, well, we have an apprenticeship Every, system. Everybody does, uh, yeah. yeah, unfortunately. But, yeah, so, yeah, and, and this is the way I sort of look at it. You employ someone and you say, right, you're going to go two years training or college or whatever it is, um, and then you'll get senior pay and you'll be a hairdresser. And that's all they've got to look forward to um, in their career. Oh, I'll get a pay. I'll get a pay rise. But if you set out uh, pricing levels or tiered levels and made qualifications for each step, when the person gets employed by you, they would sit there and go, "Right, you will do two years training. You'll get this wage rise, and then you'll do these courses, and you'll get that. Then you can get that. Then you can go into management or." Um, or there's plenty of courses you can do at uh, colleges, and then you might go into, say, creative director or there's all, there's all paths sort of mapped out and there's pay rises along the way. So now it looks like a career. Yeah, definitely. And, and then I, I think uh, I can't prove this, but I do know a lot of our clients do have pretty good retention. But so if, if you walk into a job and you've got a career path that's in your hands mm. and people will help you get there, you will stay. But if you've got a career path of a few years and now you're a hairdresser, mm. um, it's hard to get that into an 18-year-old's head, you know? Yeah, yeah. They, they, and they, or therefore, they see. 16-year-olds. Yeah, and then yeah. they see the only way to grow is to leave you and go somewhere else. Yeah, so if you, else, if you yeah. can't give them a yeah. career path within your business. So, so what you're yeah. saying is that seat price that you come up with or service price per hour, whatever we're going to call it, yeah. that is the minimum hourly rate that you base your services yes. on so that even yes. that level one person is profitable and then any people that are above that are level two or level three, whatever they are, yeah. they're more profitable. Yes, and, and there, okay. that's exactly right. And then... Yeah. Their, their pay rise comes out of that more profitability. Yes. Because you yes. can then determine what you want to give them out of that extra tier yeah. that you're paying. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, how do you, you know, one of the things, you, you, you touched on this right at the beginning about how people work out their prices and you threw in the word emotion. Um, and whenever you talk about prices and hairdressers, there is an emotional component that goes on with it. And a lot of that emotion revolves around how do I tell the clients uh, about a price rise? So when you're being asked that question, what do you recommend to people that they do in terms of notifying clients about price increases? Well, unless it's a major hit, right, I'd say don't say anything. Yeah, you don't need to. But I, I'm su- I suggest that they have small increases regularly. And how regularly and, do you mean when you say regularly? Like six monthly, okay. annually? Uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah, or, or quarterly even. So mm-hmm. um, there's a, a few, and again, this comes back to some strategies in your price structure. Um, I'm a big one on trying to sell uh, uh, service bundles or service packages. So, you know, you'll, you'll include you know, uh, your cut, blow dry, toner, treatment, whatever, whatever, as much as you can pack into it. Um, at, at least have five or six components in the package. And the object is to make it so that if they buy the package, it's cheaper than buying each one individually. Okay, yeah. And, yeah, so to have a price rise, you might say um, our toners are going up five bucks. Yeah. So that means the whole package of two or three um, 
two or three hundred dollars is only going to go up by five dollars. Mm-hmm. So no one's ever going to know that. Yeah. yeah. Three months later, you go, okay, we're going to move our cuts up by five dollars, mm. and in a three hundred dollar package, no one's going to notice that. So there's no need to tell them. So you're not going to go. The package is three hundred dollars. We're going to add thirty percent to it mm-hmm. every year. We're just going to put every three months, knock up one of the one of the six or seven components. So that means your haircut price might not go up um, for 18 months. Right. And all the other bits, the blow-away bit does it. So that, in that way, there's no major hit to the client, but, you, but you're steadily rolling. You know. But every, each time you have a roll, a little roll on, a little increase in your package, if you put, say, a haircut up by $5, you should initially start by putting your main service menu, you should put it up by $10. So you're starting to make a gap between the package price and the individual price. Okay. And after yeah. maybe, yeah, so maybe after two years, you, you could have $40 or $50 uh, difference in the package as to what's in the individual price. Yeah. Uh, and now, now you have another selling point. You, people can save $50 by buying the package. Yeah. Okay. Got you. So, uh, yeah. what, one of the things that's been happening, obviously, in the last two years, uh, different countries, different states, different cities have had varying degrees of lockdown and and restrictions put yes. on them, in terms of social distancing, etc. So it's it's really impacted on their productivity levels, plus the added cost of uh, you know sanitation standards, etc., yeah. etc. They've got to adhere to. So. You know, a lot of people have been sort of recognising that they need to have been moving their prices up over the last two years to accommodate that. And now with coming out the other end of it, there's the inflation component. Now, I know it's not very high in Australia at the moment. I Googled it before we got on this call. I think Australian inflation is running at 3.5%, but in the UK, it's 5.5%, and in the US, 7.5%, and we're all expected to be going higher. So what the question is, is in terms of pricing, because you can't just absorb you know, these, no. the, the fact that everything's going up that you're having to buy. That's what yeah. inflation is. Your money simply doesn't buy as much today as what it did a year ago. So, so what are you advising salons to do in terms of um, reassessing their, their price list in relation to what's happening with inflation? Is there any, any formula there that you, you sort of fall back on? No, I just think you've got to, you've got to be realistic. And you've got to go back and do use that app to calculate your price. I mean, your your expenses will go up. Yeah. And your I, I don't know with some of the white people have lost a lot of staff. I don't know how they're coping with that. But but if you use that exact same formula, it'll give you a number. Yeah. And whatever that number is, that's your number. Yeah. yeah. But, but as you, you, you as have you have to move to it. Yeah. 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 As you, as you said at the beginning. You, you work that out based on your profit and loss. So if I'm working yes. that out now on my profit and loss from last yep. year, it'll look, it'll it'll look very yeah. different. So, so when, yeah. we're, when we have that number, but then we're looking at inflation yeah. as running at 55 or 7.5%, um, yeah. that, that number's out of date already. So, so what do they do? What, right. what do you, is there a formula that okay. you're suggesting they use to, to- look? There, there isn't a formula really, but you, you've got to. You've got to you use that as the base, and then you've got. So I, I'd probably suggest that this time you pull it up, and maybe only use the last three months or, or some relevant months. Oh, okay. And then you've yeah. got to, yep. And then you've got a forecast. So, I mean, it is a guesswork sort of uh, thing for here, but you've got to say, I'm, okay, how many staff am I going to have? What are they going to cost me? Got it. Put that figure in, and yeah, ha- how much of my products really going to go up? You know, like, yeah, I mean, you could put a five percent just a 5% across the board, but you've really you've got to really think deeply about your business. Like, are you going to keep your business model the same? Are you going to maybe get a few freelancers in and, uh, and see how that goes? It's, and, and that's why I think the book's important because you can read what you have to do and why you need to do it, and that gives you an understanding, a deeper understanding of your business. So... All that knowledge then help will help you forecast. It's um, and and I know it's something a lot of people have never done before, and it mm. seems almost it's really daunting. And do I have the answers about coming out of COVID? No, not I don't I don't know, uh, but I can guess that you still can't operate at a loss. So you need to know that mm. bottom line, you know. Yeah. And all I would suggest is um, 
that you want if if by luck that you do your calculations and your prices are high enough, well, you're in a good suit. But if you haven't moved your prices in five years or ten years, you're you're going to have awful trouble. Yeah, so you okay. might have to have a major restructure. It's, it's yeah, yeah it's. it's yeah. The, 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 there's two very important words that you've mentioned there is that, you know, your profit and loss is, is, is fact. It's, it's what happened at a historical level. But the key word you picked up out there was forecast, whereas forecasting is predicting what's going to happen. So, so this seat time or the service price per hour is going to give you a factual number based on what happened whether you're looking at a profit and loss from a 12-month period or a more recent three-month period, it's still a it's an accurate but historical figure based on the environment that you were in at that yeah. time. Forecasting is then looking at, well, what do you think is going to happen in the future? So there is a certain element of guesswork here is, is oh, to yeah, go, yeah. well, that is, the, that is the seat time, but I'm going to factor in another... Five percent or something on top of that—is that sort of where you're yeah. going with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you and like you might say, well, I've got to, I've got to cut wages. Like you got to make business decisions. You got to yeah. go. And something else the app does show you—it shows you um, a percentage of. So once you've done the calculation and you put your figures in, it'll show you the percentage of your expenses for each of those little categories, like your wages and your. So. If you're forecasting, you could say, right, my income is going to be this. Um, so 40% or 50% or whatever the figure is of that is this. Mm. So you could say, well, it, it might enlighten you a little bit on whether you need to cut your staff or, or if you can add staff and yeah. that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's um, – but there are there are tools – um, but, but there's the we have CPI, Consumer Price Index, and the inflation rate. Um, but – Interestingly, the the ATO and the um, Bureau of Statistics, in a, um, so the Tax Department and the Bureau of Statistics, suggest that you don't use either of those as a guide for raising your prices. Okay, and, and I think it's because that figure is a very general figure. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily apply specifically to a, to an individual small business. Okay, again, it's just a guide. It's yeah. a guide to help you forecast. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you, you basically you're arming yourself with all this information and hopefully going to make some some uh, good decisions. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's the, the problem is that so many salon owners everywhere that their their business model in terms of making sure they're profitable is to work like hell and hope there's enough money <laughs> to pay to pay no, all the bills. And so there, there, there is no magic wand here. Um, no. But but the book, the app, the online course, any bit of information that you can take on board as a salon owner to give you a greater understanding of your business from a financial perspective is putting you in a better position to make good decisions going forward. That's really you know, yeah, a sort of a summary of yeah. all that, isn't it? So, well, look, yeah. I, I think it's fantastic because, you know, a lot of tools like this, they don't exist. And uh, it, it's important that, that people, you know, embrace them and, and become as knowledgeable as possible about their business from a, yeah. from a financial perspective so that they are still going to be here in 12 months' time or two years' time or whatever. Oh, and the more knowledge you've got, the better. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing with the app, it's, it's just a one-off purchase. No subscriptions, and I'm not, not going to take money out of your pocket. My head's not in your pocket. You buy <laughs> yeah. it once. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. It's same with the book, yeah. All right. Well, um, Kylie, let's, I just want to ask you about your your app that you have developed. Uh, was it a yes. – so, so you've developed a new app, and it's called Snipt, yeah, S-N-I-P-T. Yes. Is that correct? Right. Yes. And I, as I said at the, the intro, I said that it gets – uh, global launch on May the 1st, I think was the date you told May the me? 1st it is. Yes, so, May so, the 1st. So, so what is it? This is a completely separate thing to the, the financial new. calculator. This is something else again, yeah? Yes, something new that we're launching. So like you said, it is a streaming app. It's got short videos on demand that teaches how to cut hair. And how we actually came up with it originally was simply because hairdressing schools and our students that would come to our workshops would love what they've learned, but they would forget it. And they would be looking for some sort of training resource and it might end up being a YouTube or it might end up being something else that would confuse them. 
So, um, yeah, it's very exciting. We've got a free section that's basic and teaches how to cut hair, so that's all free. And then there's a subscription, which is um, very reasonable, no more than a cup of coffee a week, and um, that obviously teaches the commercial side of how to cut hair. So watch this space. Okay. And and that's a, a global release, yeah? Yes. So yeah. we um, will release in Australia and New Zealand first, um, only because we've had one little holdback because we're waiting for the Android version. Right. Um, we And we felt that it was important to go with both. So yeah. we were ready to go um, but we needed to just get it right first. So Australia, New Zealand first, and then by June we'll be completely global. Great. And and what? It's a how many haircuts have you got on it? So in our free component, there I think we counted there's thirty five. Oh wow! And then when we oh no thirty five lessons thirty five lessons thirty five lessons and right, then okay. yeah yes. because um the 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 basic section while well, it starts at how how to hold your scissors. Right. Okay. So and yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then um, the great thing about it is we have to submit new content every month, yeah. and that's by law when you have an app. So there's new haircuts coming on board um, every month. So I think we counted. We've actually filmed 300 haircuts. Yeah. And uh, we we launch with I think we launch with 142 videos. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's huge. It's, been three three years of work and we sort of appreciate COVID in some ways because we wouldn't have ever had the time to do it had COVID not locked us up. Yeah, well, it, it's like anything. There's always a silver lining, isn't there? There's, you know, yeah. it, it makes you question your business model and go, okay, what do I need to do to survive here? Um, and, uh, you know, it was one of the problems that, that I think salons all over the world had was that, you know, they realised how, like, reliant they were on a single income stream. And, you yes. know, as educators and stuff as well, it, it, it's like mm. if you couldn't get people in the room, you weren't going to be making any money. Uh, fortunately, you know, you were already in this online space. I was already in this online space. Uh, and yeah. it was the direction the market was going anyway. But um, it, it certainly, you know, made there be an explosion of new resources available to people online purely because that was the only way they could access things. So yeah, that's, that's that's fantastic. Right. I, I didn't know. Past, yeah, I was, sorry, I was just going to say, I, I didn't know that you had to, by law, add new content oh, no. to an app. Is that correct? or? Um, no, if it's a subscription app. Yeah. Do. Oh, right. That's okay. Law. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's Apple's rules. It's Apple's law. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Apple, Apple says it is law. They okay. won't put it on if you don't. So right. it's law. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. Okay. We're happy with that because, yeah, we're really happy with that because we're growing it and we've got a, a, a good social media presence yeah. attached to it. And we've got someone working on that and we're hoping that people will give us feedback and say, hey, how about this? What about that? You know, and, and, we'll, and we'll build the library as we go. After yeah. The, yeah. Good. Okay. Well, good luck with that. Okay. So um, whereabouts can people connect with you on Instagram or any other social media channels or what's your website address? How can they find out more about you and what you're doing? So the core business we have is called Elite Hair Education. So that's obviously a website and Instagram and Facebook. And then Pricing Your Services has um, its yeah. own website, pricingyourservices.com, and Instagram and Facebook as well. Okay. And you said that was Elite, E-L-I-T-E, hairdressing yeah. education, yeah? yeah. Yes. Just, yeah, just cool. hair education. Yeah. Oh, hair, uh, elite yeah. hair education. Yeah. Right. So they can, they can get that on Instagram. Facebook, yes, whatever. Yes. Okay. And yes. pricing your services. Mick, is that book available through Amazon or do they have to order it direct from you? No, it's available worldwide on about just about all of the platforms. Booktopia, right. uh, yeah, print on demand, Amazon. I think it's about 15 different platforms. So. Okay. So it's a, it's a printed book or an ebook? No, you could get an ebook on any of those platforms. Right. But Amazon and, uh, Booktopia do a printed version. Yeah. So you'll order that. Yeah. And there's this thing called uh, print on demand. They're like a cafe. I don't know where they are. They're somewhere in Europe. Right. Um, and they you go in, sit down, have a cup of coffee, go, oh, you've got an iPad. And you go, oh, I like that book. And they print it for you. They're, wow. They're in there. 
Okay, fantastic. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, I'll put those links uh, on our website and in the show notes for today's podcast. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast with Mick and Kylie Dwyer and have enjoyed it, then do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone, share it to your Instagram stories and uh and don't forget to rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. So uh, to wrap up, uh, Mick and Kylie, thank you for being on this week's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. Oh, it's been great. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. And you have to get over and have another yeah, cuppa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't drink anymore, right? No. Okay. But good to you. can have a cuppa. Great. Okay. Oh, thanks so much for having us. We always admire everything you do from afar. You, you really are truly an inspiration to all of us. So thank you. It's an honour for Fantastic. us to be here. Well, no, it's my pleasure. It's great to have you on the show. So making Kylie Dwyer, thanks for being on this week's episode, the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. Thanks, thank Anthony. Thank Take you. care. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.